Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Hello. Wow. 11 o'clock service. You guys are awesome. The morning service was awesome too, so... We'll see how you guys compare. Just kidding. Let me try to open my notes here very slowly. How was y'all's week? Anybody have kind of a tough week? Mine was a little tough. I know you did, Emlyn. Pastor Emlyn, sorry. Got to use your proper term. Uh, yeah, we, it, ours was a little tough, you know. My wife is very pregnant. <laughs> and they say, like, the more kids you have, like, kind of the pregnancies get a little tougher. So she's on her fifth, which is amazing because Jesus is amazing, and I, I love all of our kids. But it was just, she was just experiencing a lot of pain this week, and so it was hard for her to get around and stuff. So I, I asked Pastor Josh, I said, hey, pray for a breakthrough. And I just want to tell you guys that God is faithful. Yesterday she started feeling better, so she's here today. Right now she's having a little snack because she's got to have a healthy snack. But she'll be right here in a second, I promise. And then I'll probably point her out, make her feel embarrassed, sorry. But today I wanted to talk about self-focus. And we can focus on ourselves in either a self-centered way or we can focus on ourselves in a Christ-centered way. Um, my wife and I were back in kids' church usually because we're the family pastors here, and it's awesome. We love it. But we did this little activity where um, we wrote down different things you can do, different experiences, different thoughts, and we put them on pieces of paper. And if they were selfish, we threw them in the trash. But if they were selfless, we wrote them up on the board as something that we should aspire to, as something that we should walk in. And so it's the same idea I kind of wanted to talk about today, but we're not going to do little pieces of paper and throw them away. That would be fun, probably. But yeah, it's the same idea. We can't fully eliminate you know, our personality, and God doesn't want us to. He doesn't want us to eliminate ourselves. But we aren't to be self-centered, and that the way we feel always dictates how we act. The way we feel shouldn't always dictate how we act. Um, in the kingdom of God, it's an exchange of identities. Um, we exchange everything we used to be for everything that Jesus is. Jesus took our guilt, condemnation, and shame on the cross. And in exchange, we're to leave who we used to be up with him on that cross. You know, I don't have to pick up who I used to be off of the cross and carry him around and live self-focused, because right. that would be gross, man. That would be gross. Uh, verse uh, 23 of chapter 9 in John says, Then he said to them all, Jesus talking here, he said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And um, I don't know Greek or Hebrew very much, but I used a strong concordance, and I looked up deny yourself, and, and it says in there that it means refuse to identify with yourself or to act entirely unlike yourself. And I don't know about you, but that's pretty crazy, entirely unlike myself. It's like, how do I do that? 
Will you take up your cross daily and you follow Jesus? The thing is, um, Jesus, when he took his cross, he was heading to a destination called Golgotha. And he was going to die. And that seems scary. But really, it's a restoration of who you were created to be. The only thing we lose in the gospel is what we were never created to be in the first place. We weren't designed for sin. We weren't designed for self-centeredness. We were designed to be conduits for the Holy Spirit to flow through. Vessels of his love, living for love. So we follow him daily and we die with him daily. But it doesn't mean works, you know. It doesn't mean that every day I'm struggling with this heavy burden of sin that I just can't get past. No, I'm not struggling with that. I'm not trying to do holiness. I'm becoming holy. And so it means we surrender our rights and we become love. We surrender our rights to be selfish. Dying daily, it's not a struggle or a bummer. It's our joy and our right as sons and daughters of the king. We can wake up in the morning and talk to God and just cry out to him and just pray and say, Father, I thank you. Who I used to be is dead and gone. All things are new. And today is another chance to manifest who you are to the world. I get to manifest your love today. Thank you for letting me see everybody I encounter through your eyes to respond like you respond. Help me to live bold. Help me to proclaim your love to the world. And we can just walk in that. Hey, babe. Looking beautiful. Here she is, everybody. Give her a hand, man. You're awesome. So we aren't struggling to carry this heavy cross all day, lugging it around, trying to be stoic, trying to be empty. No. We carry it to Golgotha. We die with him. And we leave who we used to be there. And it's as simple as a choice. We got to choose to remember that we died with him. We got to choose to take up our new identity as us in Christ and Christ in us. So I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to kind of break down 2 Peter 1 3 9. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's in your app or in your Bible. Reading out of the NKJV today because I like old stuff. I'm an old man. (laughs) In verse 3, Peter's writing and he gives this truth bomb, he drops it about how God has given us all things for life and godliness. And I used to kind of think like, man, there's all these things that I need to get from God. I don't know how to get them. I don't know how to grow. Like, I'm just trying to do my best, and it's a struggle. But when we realize that God has already given us all things for life and godliness, then we can freely receive them because we have faith that they're there for us. If we think it's something we have to get, then we don't have faith for them. But when we know that God has freely given them, we have faith to walk in them. And then in verse 4, he lets us in on how we can be partakers of the divine nature. And that's amazing. We get to partake of God's nature, of God's very nature. And he tells us we've escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And when it's talking about lust, it's not just sexual stuff. It's living sensually. It's living based on our senses, based on how we feel, letting how we feel decide our day. 
letting how the day's going decide us. But it says we've escaped that corruption. So we're free from that. We don't have to live in that. So we have all things we need to walk through this life in godliness. Why? Because they are in Christ. And Christ is in us by the Holy Spirit. And then through that, we partake of the divine nature. You know, people mess up and say, man, it's just human nature, just a man, couldn't help it. But we have the divine nature. We don't have to live out of human nature. We can live out of the divine nature. We can live out of the overflow of the nature of God by simply staying in relationship with him. We just talk to him, and we receive help when we need it. So then in verse 5, five through 7, it goes through this list. It says, um, you have faith, now add to it, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Then it says in verse 8, that if we have these things, you won't be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So have you ever met anybody who, like, they... They, ha- they say they have the knowledge of Jesus Christ, but they're unfruitful. You try to talk to them about Jesus and, like, growing in God and more. And they're like, oh, I'm saved. I prayed that prayer. They've done enough to get into heaven, but they want to live like hell until they get there. And salvation isn't meant to just be a ticket to heaven. Right? It's an entry point into relationship with Jesus. We enter into a living, active relationship with him. We change our way of thinking because it needs to be changed, boy. (laughs) We go under the water in baptism and we leave our old self buried there. You know, I know Pastor Josh, he holds them down until they start to bubble. (laughs) And then we get filled with the Holy Spirit and we're empowered to live in relationship with him every single day. And then in verse 9, this is the one I wanted to get to. So it was a lot of stuff to get through to get to this one. <laughs> Pastor Josh, this week, he, he looked at my, the notes for the app. And he was like, are these your notes or are these the notes for the app? It was a lot of stuff. I was like, no, no, don't worry. Don't worry. Um, so verse 9 is the one I wanted to get to. When we lack these things, it says in verse 9, we're short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So when we lack these things, we're short-sighted. And I looked up that, and, and it was talking about how when you're short-sighted, you only see things that are close to you. Right. And that's what self-centeredness is. Yeah. Uh, when we live a self-centered lifestyle, we become blind to who we're created to be. We become blind to our identity in Christ. We forget that we were cleansed from our old sins, that that's not it us anymore we forgot we forget that we died and we're a new creation in christ um i wear glasses so if i take these off you guys are all just a beautiful blur can't see any faces but let's say i had um laser eye surgery lasik surgery and i got my vision corrected now usually what i do every day is i reach over to my nightstand and put on my glasses so if i did that I'd probably get through a lot of my daily, morning, groggily, kind of doing my thing. But then I would realize, hey, I can't see. I'd be like, why, do I, why can't I see? I have my glasses on. It's because I don't need the glasses anymore. And they're actually making things blurry. And that's how it is when we live self-centered. 
We're viewing everything around us through a distorted lens. It twists what's going on around us. We need to remember who we are. We need to remember Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we need to walk in our life manifesting that hope everywhere we go for the world to see. So we take off the distorting lenses of self-centeredness, of selfishness, and we see through the clear lens of the gospel. So if you hear this and you're thinking, man, I'm not there yet. I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. Don't despair. Don't give up. Just keep choosing to remember who you are. Keep coming back to your identity in Christ. Don't give up. Put, put off the old man and put on the new. In fact, you wouldn't even have a desire to do good if your heart hadn't already been changed by the truth. The fact that you care is proof that there is gospel seed in your heart that is growing. It's taking root. And people think, you know, I used to think when I, when I was young in my faith and I would mess up or I was caught in some kind of struggle or cycle that I was cut off from God. I needed to do a lot of repenting, which I don't know what it was. I guess it was saying I'm sorry a lot. I don't know. And, and the opposite was actually true. If I didn't have God in the first place, I wouldn't have cared. And your heart is violated because your heart is changed by the gospel. So if, and not when, because grace isn't a license to sin, it's a fuel to run well. If you miss it, don't get stuck in condemnation. Turn from that, and don't wait, man. Do it immediately. And, and turn to God. And thank him for his grace and his mercy. Thank him that that's not you anymore, that you're not a cycle, that you're not going to continue in that. Remember who you are in him and let him mold you and shape you in his image. Let him show you who he created you to be so you can walk in it. And then you can let the Holy Spirit be the decider of your thoughts. You can give him permission to change the way you think. And it's like... um, in your soul, in your mind, will, and emotions. It's like the Holy Spirit sitting there, like it's a movie theater. And everything that comes across your screen, all your thoughts, everything you see, he has permission. you got to give him permission to say, no, that's not you anymore. Or yes, that's who you were created to be. So, for example, if you're struggling with jealousy, you see someone else get the promotion, and a thought comes, you, comes to you like, man, I wish that was me. You can immediately change that thought and flip it and talk to the Father about it and say, Father, thank you for that person. I pray you bless them in their new position, that they would do really well, that they would excel and grow. Thank you that you and I are in covenant. I'm here to be a blessing. I will always have enough. I'm never overlooked. So then even when the enemy is trying to tempt you or that old desire comes back, comes knocking, It'll push you closer to God if you let it, if you flip it, and you can grow more in your identity in Christ. First uh, John 4.12 says, No one has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. So no one has seen God, but if we love one another, they see him in us. They see him through us if we walk in love. Uh, When we walk in love, it shows the world that God's abiding in us. If we don't walk in love, we got a lot of talk, but they're like, well, I don't see anything. They don't see anything real to follow. They don't see anything real to give their lives for. 
When we focus on loving others, we are a conduit for, the, for Jesus to flow through. Um, Jerome, he was a 4th century church historian, and he wrote this story based on a story somebody else had given him. We don't have all the things that that man had written because they've been lost to time. <clears throat> but this is one of the stories that he told about John. It says, The blessed John the Evangelist lived in Ephesus until extreme old age. His disciples could barely carry him to church, and he could not muster the voice to speak many words. During individual gatherings, he usually said nothing but, Little children, love one another. The disciples and brothers and attendants, annoyed because they always heard the same thing, finally said, Teacher, why do you always say this? You know, don't you got something else? (laughs) He replied with a line worthy of John, Because it is the Lord's commandment, and if if it alone is kept, it is sufficient. So if we love one another, we're walking in who God created us to be. And if we can really get that and really live that, it's sufficient. So I had some points I wanted to make. Said all that to say some points. <laughs> Number one, fear is wrong self-focus. So fear is, is something that might always be around in your life, but it's not something you have to bow to. It's not something you have to listen to. That's what courage is. It's not, not being afraid, but it's standing up and doing it anyway. And when we're afraid of being active with our faith and we don't become active with it, it's because we see being rejected by someone or not seeing an, an immediate answer to our prayer. You know, if we're thinking about, man, I need to pray for that person for healing or for a word from God. And we're afraid of not doing it, of doing it because we're afraid we won't see an answer. It's because we're afraid of failure. And we see that as failure. But love never fails. And so the important thing is that you step out in love. If you do it to love somebody, it's never a failure. But that fear, if we listen to it, it shows that the focus is still on us. If we don't act because of fear of failure, then it's still all about us. The real failure is in never going out at all. It's not in being rejected or not seeing the breakthrough. Jesus said, go into all the world. And if we stay paralyzed by fear, we're already getting what we're afraid of. We're missing out on the go of the gospel. Number two, we talk about being entitled. We're a pretty entitled generation, I think. But being entitled is wrong self-focus. Really, the world owes us nothing, and we owe the world an encounter with Jesus. Because we've been given much, and so we need to be giving much. Uh, when people see that you're extending them grace and love, even when they're not doing the best job they could be, even if they do a terrible job, if they see Jesus in you and you extend to them grace, then they're going to wonder who this Jesus is. They're going to want him in their life. Um, waiters and waitresses, they often say the worst time they have is on Sunday after church. And that's really sad. And we, but we can be a force for change in that area in the Metroplex. We can be a blessing and not a complainer. So surprise the people that are helping you with a word from God. Ask them if you can pray for them. Um, Be a blessing to cashiers, to the barista. 
Our pastors are doing lattes in the back today, just a little commercial, raising the money for kids camp, which is tomorrow, right? Yeah. So just a little bit of funds left, but they're making some really bomb lattes. Okay, so go get one after and donate. Commercial over. All right. So be a blessing to baristas, to the people in line with you. Let someone go ahead of you. If you can afford it, pay for somebody's groceries. Even if maybe you can't afford it that much, step out in faith a couple of times. See what God does. Tell them about the love of Jesus. Demonstrate his love. We have been given much, and we need to have much to give. You know, in my life, I notice everyone, like in lines or cashiers or fast food or whatever, they're always apologizing for being like 30 seconds late. It's crazy. But I get to tell them, it's okay. You know, this is what grace is. This is who Jesus is. He loves you. Because the first thing love is, in 1 Corinthians 13, is patient. And we can live in love. We can be patient. Number three, your life can be profuse. It can be overwhelming. It can be full. Um, In John chapter 1, verse 25, It says, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that could be written. Think about that for a second. That's really awesome. This is one of my favorite verses. And I'm like, John, couldn't you just write a couple more books, you know, write a screenplay, a movie script, just write a few few more things. But he didn't. That's okay. We'll see all those things one day when we get there. But Jesus' life was a profuse demonstration of what God was like. And our lives can be a profuse demonstration of God's love. We don't have to have just a little bit of God and leave the rest of it up to some super anointed guy somewhere. God has it all, and he has it for us. God's love never runs out and never has a bad day. I was listening to Heidi Baker preach, and uh, she was sharing how she was pummeled. She was beaten by this woman who had a really hard time in her life. No excuse for beating her, of course. But she was beaten by this woman. And there was a man there watching who she had been preaching to for months and months. Every time she preached to him, he would just say, I hate you, I hate you, even though she was super loving to him. But when he saw her get beat and still love that woman, it changed his heart. And he gave his life to Jesus. And she said, that was a very good day. That was a very good day. Man, it would be a privilege to take a punch for the gospel. Like we don't, we're trying to preserve ourselves, you know? We're trying to live in this safety bubble. But that would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) To stand before him to say, I suffered. That would be awesome. (laughs) So I don't ever want my stories of cool stuff that God has done to be way in the past somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Every day we have another chance to see him manifested through our lives. And I want to take those chances. I was listening to, to Francis Chan talk about the persecuted church. And he was saying how, you know, when Jesus come back, imagine if you're part of the persecuted church and you had your arm cut off for the gospel. You're going to look and see him in the sky and say, hey, look, This was for you. You're going to be excited. It's going to be a beautiful day. And that's why it talks about having joy in persecution. 
Because there's coming a day where in every single, it says even if you give a cold cup of cold water in, in, in my name, it'll be rewarded. Everything is going to have a reward. It's going to be amazing. And then number four, what we can get from God versus giving joyfully. I really love the declarations we make every Sunday regarding our jobs and finances. Um, they're amazing. My wife and I have seen God do some really cool financial miracles since we've been here. They've increased. We've seen checks in the mail and all that, all these cool things that we're, we're saying. So I honor those, and we need to continue to do them and apply faith to God's desire to bless us because he does want to bless us. And I think even this church was designed to be a blessing to Grand Prairie and to the Metroplex, and God wants to do even more of that kind of thing. But we do need to be careful that we have the right perspective on them. They're to be a blessing to others, and that God's great name would be exalted. Um, They aren't just to benefit us, and they're never at somebody else's expense. And we aren't to be in distress when we don't see that increase right away. Who's ever given... You can raise your hand if you want. You don't have to. But who's ever given and you haven't seen an immediate financial breakthrough and you've been kind of disappointed? I know I have. I'm like, God, I gave. What's going on? But you know, one day God showed me that if I have that heart of being disappointed, then the giving wasn't about being a blessing. It was about getting something. And we can't give to get. We got to give to give. We got to give to bless. We got to... Uh, love just loves to love, you know? There's no motive behind it. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. And that has to be the motivation behind our giving. To see others experience the love of God through our giving. And then as we make those declarations of faith every Sunday, we're going to keep doing it, it's going to be awesome. We're going to make them for God, for his exaltation, for others, and not with a selfish motivation. And then even if we have to endure for a little while, even if it takes patience, we can still be happy. When we see other people's blessed, we can say, yes, God, more. James 4.3, it says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss wrongly, that you may spend it on your pleasures. So the church isn't meant to be a luxury cruise. It's meant to be a rescue boat. Um, Reinhard Bonnke has this really great video on YouTube. You can you can look it up. It's like, look for Bonnke Cruise. I don't know, something like that. And uh, it's just about, it's this illustration video. It's like a movie, and there's this church, and it's a luxury cruise, and everybody's on there having a great time. But then out in the water, there's all these people drowning. And nobody will get on the rescue boats and save them because they're too busy having a good time. And if all we do is ask so we can have more and more then we're asking wrongly. Our job is to be a blessing to the world. Every time we give, we can bring more and more people out of the waters of unbelief and into an encounter with the love of Jesus. So be a rescue boat. Number five, don't let the enemy take the fight out of you. In the kingdom, we are in a war. And war isn't fun. Not always fun, right? But we have an enemy. It's not people. It's never people. People are never our enemies. But it's principality and powers that war against us. And they're real. There's a real spiritual battle. In 1 John 5.19, it says, We know that we are of God, 
and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So there's this world, and it's under the enemy's sway. And in John 10.10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. So back in the garden, Adam and Eve, they lost something when they fell to sin. They lost that authority. But when Jesus came, he took it back from the enemy. And he gives it to us, the church. He extends those keys to us. And until his return, it's our job to fight. It's our job to exercise our faith. It's our job to never give up. And we must battle. Jesus ultimately has won the war. It's settled forever. When he comes back, there's, he's going to prove it, show himself victorious. But we have a battle to fight every day, and we can't give up. So when we go into a situation where the enemy has brought death, loss, or destruction, we have to serve the enemy his eviction notice and tell him, you have to go because Jesus already won the keys to the world by defeating hell in the grave. And until his return, we're going to serve that eviction to the enemy everywhere we go because the enemy's still acting like it's his and the world's still under his sway. So it's our job to exercise our faith. If it's death, loss, or destruction, it's from the thief. If it's life and life abundantly, it's from God. And the will of God is evident in the life of Christ. He healed all. He was always a blessing. In Luke chapter 4, talking about Jesus, verse 40, it says, When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Can you imagine it? (laughs) I can. It's awesome. (laughs) All the masses, and every single one of them was healed. And that's the will of God. Colossians 1.15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Jesus is what the will of God looks like, walking around on the earth. And we're supposed to follow after him. We're supposed to be what the will of God looks like, walking around on the earth. And it looks like all the sick healed. So when the enemy comes and tries to steal, kill, or destroy in our lives, we can't blame God. There's an enemy we're fighting. There's a kingdom that we represent. And what the enemy does is he comes along like a sneaking snake in the grass and he bites us. And then he points at God and says, look at what your God has done. Isn't he a terrible God? We cannot buy into that lie. We can never blame God. Leave the blame at the enemy's feet and fight the good fight of faith. So God did not take your loved one from you because he needed another angel. He has legions of angels. He's all good. And we need to fight death, loss, and destruction and not accept it as the mysterious will of God. You're not a list of whatever problems you're going through. When you're facing issues, and we all face them, remember who you are in Christ. You're not a person with an issue. You're a person with a solution. And his name is Jesus. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and we can do the same as we persevere in faith.
Um, a few years back, I was in El Paso still, and uh, my grandmother lived there. And every, all of our family had to move away for job reasons and stuff, and she hadn't gotten transferred yet where they were living. So it was my job to, to see to her, to make sure she knew she was loved and cared for, to see her often. And uh, she was facing some, some tush, tough uh, health issues. And we prayed for her for healing often, almost every time we saw her, but we never saw it. And then one day I got a call that they were like, you know, she's passing away any, any day now. It could be in a few days. It could be sooner. We don't know. And so I was really thankful that I got the opportunity to go there and to speak with her before she passed. And she was telling me some things she was struggling with, some people that had hurt her in the past. And so I was really grateful to God that I got to walk through her, uh, forgiving the people that had hurt her and bringing up Jesus again in her life. And she reaffirmed that that was her faith, that she was going to walk into heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross. So that was really amazing. We got to pray again. Even up to the last minute, we were believing for healing. But she wasn't healed. And I've seen that before in, in other times in other people. And so I don't talk about healing as someone who has never lost anything, you know? But it's never a loss because Jesus has the ultimate victory. And when I went out from that place, I began to talk to the nurses after she had passed, and I told them, you know, this is what she believed. Do you guys believe in Jesus? What, what do you believe? And, they, and one of them kind of told me, you know, no, I don't, I don't wanna really want to talk about that. That's, I don't believe that stuff. And so I asked God for a word for her, some, some kind of way to help her know who, that Jesus was real. But I didn't really get anything. And so it's time for me to leave, and I'm walking out of that facility, and uh, a lady walked in with a knee brace, and I just felt uh, emboldened in my spirit, and I just went up to her and asked, you know, is there any way I could pray for your knee really quick? And she said, yeah. So we prayed a quick prayer over her knee, and it was healed. God healed it. It was amazing. So she was able to walk without the brace, and I got to tell her, hey, would you do me a favor? Would you go talk to that nurse over there? She doesn't believe that this is real. And so she got to go talk to her, and I left as they were having that conversation. I don't know what transpired, but I do know that she got to see something real that day. And so whatever battle you're going through, if you keep the right perspective of the gospel, the right lens, if you don't blame God and you keep fighting, even when it's difficult, then you'll be able to see God do amazing things. You'll be able to Walk in your identity even when it's difficult. And God will touch people around you even as you yourself go through loss. Um, This week, I was doing these notes on not being selfish. And and my youngest son, Micaiah, came to me. I was listening to some relaxing music in a tab on on my web browser on YouTube. It was like relaxing waterfall or something. I don't know. While I was doing these notes and... He, like, saw the video, and he comes over. He's like, I got the headphones on. He's like, oh, I want to hear. What is that, Daddy? And I'm like, okay. So I let him hear, and we spent about 15 minutes clicking on other videos, hearing dolphins and water and all kinds of stuff. And that was awesome. And, you know, we do have to set limits for our kids. You know, they can't always do whatever they want. But if we choose to live others' focus and, like, 
take time for others. Don't, don't just make it all about the things that you have to do, but like love the person in front of you and love your kids even when, it, even when you have something more important to do, supposedly. There's nothing more important than that. We don't want our kids um, to think that Christianity is just church attendance. We want them to see a lifestyle. And one of the things we do in our family... I learned while I was at the International House of Prayer, one of the things uh, Mike Bickle says is, you know, we never in our family do we say, I'm sorry for how that made you feel, right? So if you ever mess up in your family, don't say, I'm sorry for how that made you feel. Say, I sinned, that was wrong, please forgive me. Because that, that'll show your kids, that'll show your spouse that it's not all about you, you know? It's about actually extending grace and forgiveness, and so that's what we practice in our family, and it's been a blessing. So I just encourage you to do that. Um, this week, we had our overflow family night, and we all went to the splash pad and had a great time, and we were just having so much fun. And as the night was kind of wrapping up, there was all these ladies sitting down, watching their kids, and I was kind of over there watching Micaiah. And um, just started to strike up a conversation with them, you know. How's your day going? How are you guys? Um, how many kids you got here? I got four. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> they were like, I got two. I was like, I got a lot more. Um, <laughs> it was funny. But uh, just kind of naturally uh, struck up a conversation with them. And, and it ended up that we got to talk a little bit about Jesus. And then I asked them, like, hey, is there anything I can pray for you? And one of the ladies had two bad knees and a bad back. We prayed for all of them, and she felt better on each one. It was amazing. And so the lady next to her, who had previously said, no, I don't need any prayer, when she saw this lady getting healed, she was like, oh, can you pray for me for this and for that? And so it just opened it up. And then the lady next to her, we're praying for her. And then Jessica, my oldest daughter, she brings uh, the rest of the ice cream that we had left over. And we start handing it out and just giving people hugs and telling them about Jesus. And it was just an amazing time. So I just encourage you guys, um, you can all do that. You can all... Look for opportunities and and make the most of them and take them. And God will flow through you. It's as simple as you stepping out and giving it a shot and God will show up.